Hey, hey, what do you say? What have you been reading today? Welcome to the Recap Book Chat. We are so glad that you're here as we unpack and share ideas from our book stack. And as Gary Paulson said, remember, the book needs you. Let's dive in. It's us again with the Recap Book Chat with another episode. This week, we are talking about A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. And we can't wait to get to the root of the meaning. That's right. Pun Pun intended. Pun Pun intended. intended. I love it. So, yes, this is by Betty Smith. It's a 1943 novel. Um, it was published in 1943, I should say. It actually takes place in like the 19, the turn of the century, 1912-ish, mm-hmm. and it's a semi-autobiography, semi-autobiography, auto, 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 but there it says semi-autobiography um, about Betty Smith's life, which was is again, this is one. Of, I think we mentioned that in a previous episode about just how the author um, had to go through some what he went through in crime and punishment to write that book. Same with Betty Smith. This is her book. Like it's, she had to go through everything in her life to write this and it's beautiful. Um, So first impressions of it, I want to hear, first of all, how did you hear about it? It was, to be honest, not one I was excited to read. Um, I don't know why I I had a preconceived idea about it, but I just wasn't excited about this one. Um, And, uh, but I'm so glad that you brought it to our book stack. So tell us, how did you, what, what inspired you to um, want to read this? Uh, well, you know, I'm getting to, I'm getting where I'm wanting to read classics that I missed. And this is one that I missed, but you hear people talk about it all the time. They re- mm-hmm. they refer to it and they talk about it. And I just wanted to, um, you know, now I want my opinion. I want to read that book. And some people, this is their favorite book and then, that of all time they just love it so uh, i just wanted to see uh and it is tough give it give it a bit when you get into it you've got to meet your characters and uh it's tough it's not an easy read they're a poor family they're struggling but uh it like you said it's unforgettable mm-hmm. unforgettable yeah she she is a um you kind of fall in love with francie and 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 the whole family, actually, because you're like, oh, you want them to make it. You want them to make it. I, I mean, it is it's a raw, honest read. Yeah, it really is. And you, you're right. You do fall in love with Francine, which is Betty Smith, basically the author, mm-hmm. which I didn't know that you're the one that told me after we finished that it was kind of autobiographical or whatever, kind of like the Laura Ingalls Wilder books. You know, it's still in fiction, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of her in that book. So, yes. I mean, it is a, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you put this in our book set because I, I, I do really love it. I do. It's, it's a true work of literary art. I mean, she, she's really masterful in how she, she captures this, which, which is her story. I don't know, but it's like a very bittersweet, you know, it's, there's ups and downs, but it's just very raw and honest. It's very, I don't know the word. But well, I think like Brene Brown says, you know, she she would she had to be vulnerable, and yes. this this book makes her vulnerable, and in that it, you see her strength come through. 
I think that's a good point. And vulnerability is beautiful. It really is. And that it really draws us in. And so that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, she she was very vulnerable in telling this. I mean, because and, and that's what's interesting. To, and I think, yeah, that is what brings all the characters are flawed. All the characters are, you know, even even the best and kindest ones um, even, either live immoral life or wh- whatever it is. They have something of some type of flaw. And like and her dad, who's her, you know, she loves her dad, but he's an alcoholic. So it's, and it's, it's, it's and, and you learn some side notes on there. Like I, I, cause Thanksgiving's coming up, you know, and we're, it, this is, uh, we don't do this, but in Brooklyn, apparently on Thanksgiving, the kids went out with masks on their faces and just, did you remember that part? Yeah. I, I thought that was bizarre. I'm like, yeah. what, what do you, are you, do you have the wrong holiday, Betty? What happened? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Like, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I know it's the turn of a century. I guess, I guess it's been like close to it's a hundred years, I guess, which it doesn't seem that long ago. But still, there's a lot of customs and things that we no longer do. So yeah, in the Christmas tree, remember that? Yeah, I was yeah. just like, uh, it, it's just kind of strange. And then one time she's getting a vaccination at a clinic, and the they just pretty much say. They, they talk like she's not there. And, and I think that Francie would be today a highly sensitive child because she notices everything. And, you are correct. And the doctor says something about, I know her mother has to work, but you would think that they wouldn't have to bring the kids in here filthy. It crushes her. Mm-hmm. It, it, she's, it said she didn't even feel the shot because of the pain of those words. I think that was one of my quotes I wrote down. Um, oh, really? Read like, that. Do you have it? Yeah. Oh, I, it, it, it made me just chill bump. Um, I think there's, there's a couple. Um, because the nurse, because he was talking about the nurse had, had been, been poor. Had been yeah. poor. So this is where, mm-hmm. the, this is from, uh, uh, this is the quote. A person who pulls himself up from a low environment via the bootstrap route has two choices. Having risen above his environment, he can forget it or he can rise above it and never forget it and keep compassion and understanding in his heart for those he has left behind, uh, for those he has left behind him in the cruel up climb. So, and it said it, the nurse had chosen the forgetting way. And, mm-hmm. but then it goes on uh, that ties with that is another quote that she wrote like a couple chapters later is they learned no compassion from their own anguish. Thus, their suffering was wasted. And yeah. that was, she was really talking about someone else, but I'm just like, that applies to the nurse too. That, I mean, she had, she should have anybody be able to sympathize with Francie, mm-hmm. but she just, but all of her suffering was wasted. And I'm like, you know, I think that's a very powerful way to look at suffering. Like when you're in the midst of it, like don't waste it, like remember it. Like it's, you know, that can help you help someone else in the future. Yeah, it's powerful. And I loved, even at a young age, Francie said, uh, my brother's next and his arm's just as dirty as mine, but you don't have to tell him. <laughs> yes. And then the, the nurse and doctor said, I, I didn't think she understood. Mm-hmm. So I think often, of course, because I'm an elementary teacher, people often underestimate the power of children's ability to understand things. And they talk over them. Why do you think that is? 
Because we've all been children and we've all been talked over. And so we all know what that feels like. So why do you think that is? Just what you just said. Some people choose to forget it. And some people remember. Just like the nurse. You're right. Some, it brings about compassion in others and, and yeah. just superiority. Superiority would mean, you know, I remember one time you saved all your money to go to Radio Shack and buy the stereo. But you were young and the, they wouldn't wait on you at mm-hmm. all. And you yeah, had uh, you had like a hundred dollars, yeah. But they wouldn't wait on you. And I was back there fuming because you wanted to do it yourself. It was real important for you to do it yourself. But then they wouldn't wait on you. And I and I said that's exactly what happens every day. I see kids and they just get overlooked, even by their own parents. Yeah, they'll just get overlooked. And whereas it wouldn't take but a moment to say, for the nurse. Oh, I have a quote too from a an adult that's uh well it was i don't want to bash librarians but um (laughs) because i like librarians but in this one same i mean she has this coming from all different sides of her so this is her going to the library each week francie made the same request and each week the librarian asked the same question a name on a card meant nothing to her and since she never looked up into the child's face she never did get to know the little girl who took a book out every day and two on saturday a smile would have meant a lot to francie and a friendly comment would have made her so happy she loved the library and was anxious to worship the lady in charge but the librarian had other things on her mind she hated children anyhow Hmm. i'm just like what are you kidding me but there's even teachers, I hate to say, bash my own profession, but there's teachers that don't like kids. I'm like, what, yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing in teaching? <laughs> and kids yeah. know that. They, they understand that. And, you know, you know, when rethinking about that Radio Shack incident, I'm like, what we should have done is done like a, a pretty woman. <laughs> done a pretty woman uh, uh, taken, taken from them. You remember pretty woman, pretty woman, when she, when she they wouldn't wait on her? She goes oh, and, then, and spends all that money and comes back with all these yep. bags. So that's what we should have gone. Gone somewhere else. Come back. <laughs> See, this? And then, I could have bought yeah. this here, but I didn't. So. See, that it just shows you, though, that people don't, don't value children. That's true. And, and when, you, when you should, because they're so, they're so sincere and honest, and maybe people are afraid of them. I don't know, because, I mean, kids kind of say what they're thinking. Well, I, I read in a book, too, one time that, um, which I feel like this is true from with my own kids and stuff. Like, the, the problem is when we think of kids as little adults, because they're not. They're not a little adult. They're not emotionally where adults, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so sometimes we treat them and expect them to act like a little adult. And that's they, physically impossible, you know? So I think sometimes that's you know, their brain, their brain is not fully developed. So it's different. And so you have to take them for what they are. And there's another part in uh, a tree grows in Brooklyn where um, she tells a lie about, of course, she's starving. They're all starving, you know, in the family, but she tells a lie to get this pumpkin pie from her teacher. And then uh, she said, I know a deserving family that needs this. And she tells the teacher the next day that uh, it kept these people from starving. And there was, like two kids that were going to die if they didn't get a spoke goodbye. <laughs> well, Francie ate it. 
Yeah. And apparently the teacher knows it. And she says, and I, and I underline this in my book, I, I really encourage everybody to get your own copy, get a used copy from thrift books or uh, so you can mark in it and underline things. But this is underlined in my book. It says uh, the teacher's talking to her. She said uh, that she knew she lied, but she says, tell the truth and write the story. Then you won't get mixed up. It was the best advice Francie ever got. Truth and fancy were so mixed up in her mind as they are in the mind of every lonely child that she didn't know which was which. So powerful. Yeah. And, and then true, because yes. of that, the teacher made, and I really kind of think that might have happened in her real life because she became a writer. You're right. And so I mean, she, she's, she understood that you can tell the truth, but you need to write you can write the story, but you need to tell the truth. So how impactful was that person in her life? You know, like that, that one thing cha- could have possibly changed the course of her life, you know? Yeah. But she, it, you know, it was, um, I, I, the teacher compared the teacher, the nurse and the librarian, three adults, you know, if she had had, if the, if the teacher and the librarian and the nurse had all been encouraging to her, it would have made this poor girl's life a lot easier. I mean, it, yes. she has an alcoholic father. That's not easy, but she worships him. Mm-hmm. She wor- And she sees her mother working so hard and everything. Such a hardworking uh, mother, but emotionally unavailable. Yeah. So she, she uh, resonates more with her dad, even though her dad at one point, which broke my heart, and I don't know, I don't know why he had to say that, that he hated his life. Yeah. And she's right there. I think what he meant by that, that is that he hated that he was controlled. I don't, th- you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah, think. But she didn't know that. You got to no. think like a kid. Yeah. You know, he hated the situation he was in and, and all of that. And, and I guess was, we should. Yeah. Caused by his own choices. And I, I guess we should mention. So the, the title of the book is a tree grows in Brooklyn. Right. And so, and that's the theme of the book is um, kind of the ability to, to thrive in a difficult environment. Cause this tree that they talk about, Oh, well, I have a quote that I did underline. Um, This is what um, the mom is saying about her kids at one point, but look at that tree growing up there out of the grating. It gets no sun and water only when it rains, it's growing out of sour earth. And it's strong because it's hard struggle to live is making it strong. My children will be strong that way. And so that's kind of the theme of the book because, yeah, they, they are like that. They're having to, you know. And one uh, point, uh, the, all the Romley women are supposed to be really strong women. And I underline, they were made out of thin, invisible steel. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So... Do you know, so what tree, tell us the tree that they are referring to. What type of tree is it that is growing in the middle of Brooklyn? It's like the tree of heaven, but it's the not. The tree of heaven. <laughs> so the par- I think it's the tree of paradise or something like that. And it has different names, but basically this tree is relentless. You can cut it down, it'll come right back. You cut it down, it'll come right back. And you guys you know? had one on your place, didn't you? We had the, yeah, when we bought this property here, the, the guy who had him, he had, a, he had a little, a whole little forest of these little <laughs> saplings coming up, and uh, he just let them grow because he thought they were c- 
cool to watch them grow. They're, they grow like bamboo. They just whoo, shoot up. They're so, one of the most vigorous and invasive species in North America. Yeah. <laughs> is is this tree of heaven? Yeah. They they can literally grow. You can cut them. You know, if you cut it down, it'll just keep going. It's, I don't even know how to it. How, how did we did identify dad get rid of it? Oh, yeah. He just kept working on and working on. But apparently the roots, that's why I said get to the root of the book, because the roots go way deep. So like when you read a book, you can you can kind of surface read it or you can go deep. So if you go deep in this book, you will see that these uh, how people are interconnected and how the, though they may be poor, they had a good life because of their connectedness. They were connected. They knew who they were. That's good. And grit. They didn't give up. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, and they, they had every uh, reason to give up. I mean, talk about dirt poor. I mean, and, and, and just one thing on top of another too. And, and they could get excited over a little thing. Like if they didn't have cream, they put butter in their coffee and I put bulletproof coffee in the early 1900s. So (laughs) see, nothing is new under the sun. Yeah. Yeah, we were excited when we read that part because we both like bulletproof coffee. So I was like, yeah. Oh, they, they had it going on. They had it figured out back then. Um, and dealing with the alcoholic dad, she had the highs and lows because sometimes he would say it was a beautiful day. He would sing. He would do all this. And then other times he would. So she had that highs and lows. Dealing with that as a child, that I had a little bit of that in my childhood. And that's hard on kids. Yes. Because you don't know what to expect. So how did you cope with it? Well, books are, I, I did what Francie did. I, I read, I read a lot. And that's interesting you said that. Cause I mean, did you have that quote underline about when she learns to read? I have it. I'm ready. You ready? Okay. Yeah. I, was, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have an underline. I have a great big heart by it. <laughs> I love this part. Oh, magic hour. When a child first knows it can read printed words. For quite a while, Francie had been spelling out letters, sounding them, and then putting the sounds together to mean a word. But one day, she looked at a page, and the word mouse had instantaneous meaning. She looked at the word, and the picture of the gray mouse scampered through her mind. She looked further, and then she saw a horse. She heard him pawing the ground and saw the glint, of, and saw the glint on his glossy coat. The word running hit her suddenly and she breathed hard as though running herself. The barrier between the individual sound of each letter and the whole meaning of the word was removed and the printed word meant a thing at one quick glance. She read a few pages rapidly and almost became ill with excitement. She wanted to shout it out. She could read. She could read. I love that part. <laughs> I just love that And I part. think it, you could keep going because it ties it. From that time on, the world was hers for the reading. She would never be lonely again, never miss the lack of intimate friends. Books became her friends, and there was always one for every mood. So I like, so, yeah. so that's exactly what you're saying. So that, mm-hmm. was, that was her ticket right there. To that, and this is why I feel for kids today, because all they have is the internet now. Mm-hmm. They really don't have depth. But when you meet a character in a book, the, pro- the good thing about that, you can go back and back and back, you know, and so true. What, and it's just it's more real because real people face to face. I know who Betty Smith is. I know how she right, you know what I'm saying? And on the Internet, you don't really know who you're talking to 
or who you're texting. It, you think it's a kid your own age. It may be a 45-year-old person uh, with ill intent. You're, you're, you're very correct. But she, I, I love learning, and Francie loved learning, because it, she talks about the magic of learning things. So she loved that. I think that will get you through a lot of hard, hard things, too. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of food. They had to, you know, scrounge around. I mean, uh, but she had her brother Neely. And, well, um, and you mentioned learning. So the thing about learning that I think is powerful is that to learn, you have to be humble. So it keeps oh, you yes. from being prideful. So if you're prideful, you're not willing to learn anything. So she was very humble and just and hungry. Yes. And now, you know, and I think that's another thing that instant access uh, to everything has made us, I read this in a book, we have the curse of knowledge because Mm -hmm. we think we know everything. True. Instead of being like Francie and say, oh, I'm good. There's magic in learning. I can't wait to see what I learned today. You know, what are we going to learn today? You're right. Like it definitely makes us it makes us lazy towards learning too because oh, yeah. everything is so accessible. So mm-hmm. it is just like, eh, you know, I could learn that, but you know, it's just that it touch of a button. So that is true. Um, and definitely. So what do you think we can do to, um, to help not fall into that trap? Uh, I, well, I think we need to slow down. I need to, I think we need to slow down and have, keep that kid like, um, magic of learning and magic of celebration because in one part uh, on uh, the 24th chapter it said Francie counted the years passing not by the days or the months but by the holidays that came along and I, I, I hear parents complaining about holidays but that's how kids they go from holiday to holiday that's what they point. do that's and point. Uh, yeah, I was real impressed by you guys had uh, Halloween. You had a pumpkin carving thing. And yeah, have something. It doesn't have to be that, but, you know, just have something for each. And this one goes on and it says her year started. And this is so cute. Her year started with the 4th of July because, <laughs> because it was the first holiday that came along after school closed because school was important to her. A week before the day, she began accumulating firecrackers. Every available penny went for packets of small crackers. She hoarded them in a box under her bed. And then we've taken this away from kids, too, because this is what she did. At least 10 times a day, she'd take the box out, rearrange the fireworks, and look long at the pale red tissue and the white corded stem and wonder... (laughs) And wonder how they've been, been made. We take their sense of wonder out because we'll show them. We'll show them how it's been made. Mm-hmm. And so there's no wondering. So this longing and anticipation and deferred gratification and all that gone. It's yeah. gone. It's instantly. And like, and like instead of getting this little meager amount of fireworks that means so much to her, people get a box of fireworks. Mm-hmm. you know but they don't they don't fondle them and and like she does yeah know? and and it doesn't mean as much you know that's but very it, true yeah it's just funny to me that she goes from holiday to holiday and, and then and then she's going to go to halloween and you know it's, it's just it's funny but and and but to point out too that there were kids even during that time period that were uh 
that were the complete opposite of her, what you were saying. They, they didn't appreciate, like there was kids at that time that had way more than she did and they didn't appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I think you said, what can we do? Well, you know, in the Bible, there's a verse that prays that we have enough. We don't have too much or we don't have too little. There is a balance there. And I think that's what we should strive for, that balance. And, and just to uh, work at that is hard. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This one surprised me, though, if you're I'm on that holiday still. But she said Election Day seemed to uh, seem the greatest holiday of all to Francie. Is that weird? Yeah, that is weird. Because but they it, were really trying to get their votes. So I, I think they just. Well, she the, said it more than any other time belonged to the whole neighborhood. Because I was thinking like Christmas, you have Jewish people are going to do Hanukkah and then others are going to do Christmas. And then Halloween, some people celebrate and some people don't. But I guess everybody celebrated Election Day. That's true. And it brought all of Brooklyn together. And, you know, speaking of Brooklyn, it's. I think she does a good job of conveying kind of the heart of Brooklyn because it is different than yeah, the, the camaraderie. Yeah. And yeah. one of them said that they felt like New York was jealous of this book because it shows the camaraderie, the small townishness of Brooklyn that New York lost. They yes. Lost that. Yes. It, it's I mean, seriously, it is a it's a great read. And, and another interesting thing, too, is so it it came out like in the cart or in the height of World War II. But, and so one of the additions was an armed service edition. And so it actually fit into a uniform pocket. So, and she got a lot of fan mail from soldiers who were just saying how much her book impacted them. So I just thought that oh, was I beautiful love that. too. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, nowadays people say, I, I, I am a teacher. I only want to read books about a teacher. I'm black. I only read books about black people. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. just like, instead of a soldier, this has nothing to do with a soldier, Mm-mm. but the, what's the theme? Grit. Grit. And, yes. and look beyond yourself. Fret not yourself. Get over yourself, people. Just look for the meaning. Yeah. Did you know that on, one, on 181, her mom says, I work so hard. Sometimes I forget that I'm a woman. Francie was startled. It was the nearest thing to a complaint she'd ever heard from mama. Yes. Because all through the book, her mom does not complain. No. And she could. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah, she could. I mean, bulletproof coffee will only take you so far. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. Okay, last. Let's sum it up. Uh, I don't know. What's your last impression of uh, Tree Girls of Brooklyn or, or some another... I don't know, just a final thought. Well, I mean, if you haven't read it, I mean, it has humor in it, too. Like on 186, uh, someone was talking and then someone shouted, another country heard from. I was kind of surprised because I thought that was a new phrase. (laughs) And I I mean, there's there's humor in there. And then this just the I think young people could relate to that before you have a family, people with a family and people that have already raised their family. I think it's multi-generational. For sure. Yeah, it really is. And I think Francie is someone you want to know. Yes. She, she she's, she just, you were right. Oh, I did want you to explain that. Cause you had mentioned earlier, you said Francie was a highly sensitive, probably was a highly sensitive child. Can you explain what that is for people? Because some people may have never heard that expression before. Well, highly sensitive kids know, uh, notice everything. I was that, like my brother and I, my, my parents could fight, argue, throw stuff, 
all that. He didn't even notice it. And I'm like breaking out in hives. I'm <laughs> so a highly sensitive child just notices more and they feel more and they feel it intently. And I think, I think Neely, her brother was not highly sensitive, but Francie is, she's internalizing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think I have a highly sensitive child um, as well. So, and I, very like he's amazing and beautiful but there is a he definitely feels everything more like even even things that like we were talking about going to this uh, Japanese restaurant again that we hadn't gone to in like like at least two years and he said oh I like that place the chairs are soft and he's he's like anything feeling like how things feel like really affect him like it, like the clothes, you know, we finally figured out clothes that he likes that, that I think look good that are soft, but just that type of thing. Very. And, and even more so too, like with the, but just like just his emotional Halloween, things, his Halloween costume, he wanted something that was uh, comfortable. Yes. So he was shaggy. All he got, yeah. he just wanted a comfortable green shirt. So I said, <laughs> that's genius. I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think Francie, she's she feels more than everyone else around her. But I think that's a that is a superpower for a writer because oh, she's able to bring. I'm a, I was able to feel what she's feeling. You know what I'm saying? She's able yes. to bring me into her world. So it's just, it's just beautiful and so powerful. And, and she she does grow up, and so the the front is she's younger, and and then you kind of grow up with her. So. I mean, yes. you, you see her evolving into a young woman yes. and uh, it, it's just, well, it, and, and what, a, what, a, what a ride. It's wonderful to be invited along for the journey. I'm going to, this, this was my final thought and it's a, it's kind of at the end, but when she's, she's talking about happiness and she says, people always think that happiness is a far away thing. Thought Francie, something complicated and hard to get yet. What little things can make it up? A place of shelter when it rains, a cup of strong hot coffee when you're blue for a man, a cigarette for contentment, a book to read when you're alone, just to be with someone you love. Those things make happiness. So I I thought that was beautiful and very simplistic. Like, you know, she just that. I think that's true. Sometimes we miss we don't appreciate the little things. And that's really what makes up happiness. You know, a lot of times just appreciating that, you know, Mm -hmm. really taking time to enjoy your coffee. Sometimes yes. you just gulp it down and don't enjoy mm-hmm. it. So I thought that was beautiful. Like that kind of goes along with what we're saying, like slowing down mm-hmm. and just appreciating things. So, and this book kind of would, would, would kind of, if you read books like this, it will teach you how to do that. Cause we have to be taught. Good point. Good point. But, and, and I, this one is not as pleasant as that one, but I did have, uh, I don't know, Miss Lizzie said, sometimes I think it's better to suffer bitter unhappiness and to fight and to scream out and even to suffer that terrible pain than just to be safe. She waited until the next scream died away. At least she knows she's living. Oh, that's powerful. I know. And, and I said that for this time period because everybody wants to be safe. But are they living? Mm-hmm. No. Are they living? And the, the last one is the, the grandma, when she was dying, she said, I'm 85 now, and I feel that this is my last time of sickness. I wait for death with the courage I gained from living. I love that. That is good. It's powerful. The whole yeah. book. 
it's filled with one-liners. I mean, it's, uh, it is just really good. It really is. So thank you. I'm so glad you, you, you suggested our book stack. It exceeded my expectations by far. So, uh, if you, Even- if you haven't read it, you should totally read it. And, and like, uh, I think mom mentioned earlier, um, we got these off of, uh, thrift books, but the other, the other thing you use is, um, tell me that again, World- better, better or something. Yep. And the cool thing about that is that when you buy books from them, they actually give books it? to someone else. Yeah. They, yeah. Which is super and, cool. And thrift book gives you, you get a free book. I mean, these books cost like maybe $5. Mm-hmm. you know four or five dollars they're very affordable i mean very, you, yes. you need a book that you can mark up and make it yours and I, I still loan my books out and i tell people uh underline your favorite quote do something and, and have other people respond so and here's the other tip here's a pro tip for you <laughs> that that mom you taught me which is so helpful like in this book yeah i i i marked this book up and i wrote my favorite stuff you know my my lines but so when you, when you find a line that's, you know, is inspiring or whatever, and you want to underline it, go back to the front cover and write the page number. So it's, it, I mean, that pro tip has helped me so much, mom. Like, I love that because now I, so that's what I did in this one. It's so easy to find my favorite quotes. I just look up, look to the front and then go to the exact page number. Cause you know, otherwise then you're tr- just trying to skim for the, your underline, which is better than not underlining it at all, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. You, so Always. that was. That was a very helpful tip when you told me that. So I do that now all the time. Good. Well, I mean, so. it does help you to, to read deeply. It so. does. Okay. It's now time to attack our book stack. And that's a wrap on A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. We'll see you next time. <laughs>